Now, I'm sure we all got the question. So how do you, how do you avoid distraction? How do you strain away, you know, becoming distracted in the place of fellowship? All right. How do you maintain, you know, that state and place of wonder? How do you do that? Now, listen. Now, remember all that I've shared so far. I shared all of that to help you have a foundational, you know, understanding, a background understanding of your current state. Your present state is that of one that is in the state. You see, your present state. Now, your being in the spirit is not a function of your feelings. You may not feel like it. Right where you are seated, you may be feeling very ordinary. You may be feeling very powerless. You may be feeling very, you know, very, you know, mundane. Your being in the spirit is not a function of how you feel. It's not subject to feeling. It is rather subject to the work of God in Christ. All right? It is subject to the work of God in Christ. Now, this is a foundation understanding. Now, going forward, how to make sure that you don't want, you don't stray, you don't become distracted in the place of fellowship is what you must now learn to do in relation to walking in the spirit. You have to walk in the spirit. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Look at Galatians chapter 5. All right, let's see from verse. Um, from verse um, 14. Okay, let's see from verse 13. Galatians 5 from verse 13. It says, For brethren, you have been called. You have been called unto liberty. Only do not use liberty for an occasion to the flesh. It says, in Christ, you have been called to a place of liberty, of freedom. You are free now. He said, but do not use that freedom to make room for the operations of the flesh. All right? Don't let the liberty you receive in Christ become the basis for why you what? You become, you lose your discipline and in turn, give room to Satan. That's basically what what here is a metaphor used to describe the life of sin, to describe the spiritual state of death. All right. So he says, since you have been called unto liberty, do not use that liberty for, for an occasion to the flesh, but by love save one another. Verse fourteen. He says, for all the law, all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. All right? Thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? Now, verse 15. He said, but if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you may not be consumed one of another. Look at verse 16. This I say then, walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You see, 
No, he does not tell you to live in the spirit. You are in the spirit already. You've come alive in the spirit. So having come alive in the spirit, what Paul by the spirit of God is imploring us to do is to walk in the spirit, to become functional. To become functional. It's like, let me get an example. Let me get an illustration. It's like when a baby is born. You know, shortly before a baby is born, a baby for the last nine months had been where? Had been in his mother's womb. The child is in the, is in the mother's womb in, for nine months. All right. But after that, the baby is born. All right. The baby awakens to the reality of life as it is lived here. Right? As it is lived here. Now, you don't tell that baby to become a human being. You don't tell a baby because you know, when you take a, you, when you look at a baby, can a baby hold a cup, a glass with its hand like I'm doing? Can a baby do that? No. A baby can't do that. All right. But the baby has got hands. It's just that the hands are not developed enough to hold onto a glass like I'm doing. Okay. Now the baby, the baby has got mouth. It has a mouth. But can it speak as that yet while it's a baby? It can't speak. It can't use its vocal cords to form words, to form vocabularies. It cannot. It cannot. The baby has sense of touch, all right? But when that baby feels cold or feels heat, the baby cannot intelligently interpret what it's feeling. But it doesn't make that baby less a human being. The baby is as much a human being as you are. So it wouldn't make sense to say to that baby, hello baby, be a human being. Be a human being. You don't tell the baby that. The baby is a human being. It's just that the baby must grow to become as functional as you are. The baby must grow to become as mature over time as you are. I don't know if you get that illustration. It's a... So the person who has come to God in Christ Jesus, all right, has come alive, is in the spirit. But that person must walk, must learn to walk in the spirit. The person must learn to walk in the spirit. So you see, if the person does not learn to in the spirit, all right, Paul says, even though he is in the spirit, all right, such a person will give room to the flesh. The flesh will overrun him. Look at it. Look at it. Verse 16 again. This I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So even though you are in the spirit, if you do not walk in the spirit, you will do what? you will fulfill the lust of the flesh. Verse 17, it says, for the flesh, the flesh wars. The flesh is contrary to the spirit. And the spirit against is contrary to the flesh. It says, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. It says, if you be led, if you be led of the spirit, you are not under the law. Now, verse 19, now, the works of the flesh are manifest. They are evident. Which are this adultery, fornication, 
uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, is it and such? Is it of these things I tell you before, as I've told you in the in time past, that they which do such things shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now, not inheriting the kingdom of God here is not, not going to heaven. Now, some people interpret this to mean if you do this, you will not go to heaven. No, that's not what Paul meant. Inheriting the kingdom of God here is to be functional in the realms of the kingdom. To be functional, to be functionally aware, to be functional, to be participated, to be particip to be participatory in the realms of the kingdom. That's what it means to inherit the kingdom. So Paul is saying, people who rather than walk in the spirit but choose to walk in the flesh, they will deny themselves the privileges of being functionally allowed of being functionally aware in the kingdom. You see, it's just like a child. A child is born a baby. But if the child does not feed and grow, all, right, all of the senses of that child will not be beneficial to that child. The child will not be able to walk with his feet. If that child doesn't grow, does not eat to grow, the child, though it has two feet, it will be able to walk with his legs. All right, that child, though it has hands, it won't be able to do anything meaningful with it. That child, though it has eyes, it won't be able to do anything meaningful with his hands. It's the same thing for every believer. Even though you are in the spirit, Paul says, if you do not take the time and commit to walking in the spirit, all right, he says you will subject yourself to the works of the flesh. And as a result, he says you will not inherit the kingdom of God. So to inherit means to be functional, to be spiritually developed in the things of the spirit. Look at verse 22 now, from verse 22 now. It's about the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with their afflictions and laws. Verse 25. If we live in the spirit. Let us also what? Walk in the spirit. You see that? Okay. Says, if we live, in fact, a translation says, since we are alive, one translation says, since we are alive in the spirit, let us make certain that we walk in the spirit. You see? So how do you, in the place of fellowship, how do you, how do you um, keep an unbroken focus? How do you keep away from distraction? How do you maintain and retain your sense of wonder? All right. In a general context, how to do that is to walk in the spirit. Is to walk in the spirit. So when we talk about walking in the spirit, what are the different components that comes together to define walking in the spirit? Now, in context, in context of where we are reading, Galatians 5, to walk in the spirit, according to Galatians 5, is to yield to the fruits of the spirit rather than yield to the flesh. 
all right? And it says the fruit of the Spirit here is love. Love is the fruit of the Spirit that has other manifestation, other characterization. So in situations where, for example, somebody has hurt you, rather than, rather than cave in to bitterness, rather than cave in to anger and wrath, rather than cave in, you see, to all of those things, yield to love. When in love, you choose to forgive that person, you choose to let go of the heart, what are you doing? You are walking in the spirit as against walking in the flesh. So the decisions you make, the decisions you make to yield to God's word, to live by the word of God, are the decisions necessary to help you, all right, walk in the spirit, which in turn all come together to help you maintain focus, to help you maintain and retain your sense of wonder. You see, so those choices you make day to day to live according to God's word rather than for you to yield to your flesh, all right, is one way you ensure that you are walking in the spirit. And it is this kind of discipline that over time help you to retain and maintain focus in the place of prayer. They help you stay focused in the place of prayer. They help you keep your sense of wonder. Remember Jesus said to the disciples one certain time, you know, he said to the disciples, after that, after that he had taken a little child, that means Jesus took a little child and brought that child and put the child right in the midst of all of them and said to them, he that will enter into the kingdom must become as like a little child. It must become like a little child. And we say little children, little children don't know what it means to Keep malice. They don't know how to keep malice. Little children don't know how to remain unforgiving. They are quick to forgive. They are quick to forget past hurts. They let go very easily. They let go very easily. Number two, little children are very teachable. They are very teachable. When you tell them something, it doesn't matter how foolish that thing is. All right? That thing you are telling them has a way of tickling their sense of wonder. You see? It has a way of tickling them, stirring them. All right? That's where little children are. You see? Now, when you go to chapter 12, chapter, chapter 14 of the book of First Corinthians, when you go to chapter 14 of First Corinthians, now, Paul adds another insight all right, as to ensuring that you remain focused. You don't lose your sense of wonder. Now, the second point that we see in the scriptures, the second thing that we see in the scriptures all right, as to what we need to do to maintain focus, to keep our focus on broken and maintain our sense of wonder, is to commit to praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. Is to commit to praying in the, in the spirit. Some people refer to it as praying in the Holy Ghost. You see Paul expound on this in 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 
Verse 2 of that chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, Paul says that he that prays in the spirit or he that prays in an unknown tongue does not speak to men because no man understands him. It says, however, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. One says, however, in the spirit, he speaks supernatural secrets. In verse 4 of the same chapter, he says, he that prays in the spirit builds himself, charges up himself. King James says, he that prays in the spirit edifies himself. Edifies himself. So when you pray in the spirit, all right, you bypass distraction that the enemy throw at you. Praying in the spirit is another way of helping or making sure that your heart retains its focus in fellowship. Praying in the spirit. All right. Praying in the spirit is one sure way of maintaining your focus. Ensuring your focus is not broken in the place of prayer, in the place of fellowship. Praying in the spirit. You see, Paul, in the whole of that chapter 12, chapter 14, rather, of 1 Corinthians, Paul spoke so much about the benefits and the blessings of praying in the Spirit that in verse 18 of the same chapter, he said to the whole church, he says, I thank my God that I pray in the Spirit. I pray in tongues more than all of you. So that goes to show that Paul was one person who spent a lot of time praying in the Spirit. Whether I was walking on the road, he was praying in the spirit. Whether he was transitioning from one place to another, he was praying in the spirit. Whether he was all by himself in a room, he was praying in the spirit. He prayed in the spirit a lot. He prayed in the spirit a lot. That's why in the 18th verse of that chapter 14, he said, I thank my God that I pray in the spirit more than all of you. So the second thing to do to make sure that you retain your focus, you walk in the spirit and not yield to the flesh. The second thing you need to do to making sure that you don't lose your wonder is you must commit to praying in the spirit regularly. Don't forget Paul said that don't forget that Paul said that he that prays in the spirit edifies, he charges up himself. He charges up. That's First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 4. So he that prays in the spirit charges up himself. So praying in the spirit with an end to staying charged up is one sure way of enjoying fellowship without what? Distraction. Is one sure way of retaining your sense of freedom. So you must understand what we shared earlier, the foundation of the fact that through the new birth, through the new birth, you are already in the spirit. You see, but there are commitments you must make to walking in the spirit. As far as your new, as far as your being in the spirit is concerned, it is what God has done. God, on account of what he accomplished in Christ, in relation to his plan of redemption, right? 
he has made provision for your being in the spirit, for your being alive unto God. That's what it means to be in the spirit. To be in the spirit means to be alive unto God. And the basis for your being alive in the spirit is what God has accomplished in redemption. And the proof of it, the proof, the receipt that God has given as a sign that he has completed all that needs to be done as far as your being in the spirit is concerned, is that he has put his spirit inside of you. His spirit now lives inside of you. Don't forget Romans chapter 8, verse 9. His spirit now dwells in you. you see? But there are things you must now do all right, to leverage on your being in the spirit in ensuring that you walk in the spirit. Those things you must do is what we've been talking about in the last few minutes. All right? So doing this all right, are fundamental to helping you to stay focused in the place of prayer, in the place of fellowship. Now, let me quickly say this before I, you know, round up that, you know, this, there's, uh, you know, this response is when you are praying, when you're in fellowship, either you're meditating or you're praying or you're worshiping God in tongues or you're singing, and you find your mind wandering off. You find your thoughts scattering all over the place, going off in different direction. Don't fidget. Relax. All you need to do is this. Quietly in that moment, bring your thoughts back. Bring your thoughts back to what you are doing. Bring your thoughts back to what you are doing. Now, don't say because your mind are want, your mind is wandering, then what you are doing is not effective. No, no. The effectiveness, for example, as far as praying in tongues is concerned, the effectiveness of praying in tongues is not subject to feeling. It is not subject to how you feel. You must understand that. Your effectiveness in praying in the Holy Spirit isn't subject to how you feel. Sometimes you are praying in tongues and it doesn't feel as if you are, it doesn't feel as though you are accomplishing much. No, 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 no. Don't be disturbed by that. Because already you are told in verse 2 of chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, it is when you pray in tongues, he said, Your mind, your mind doesn't understand what you're saying. Your mind is unfruitful, but your spirit is edified. Now, the second thing to do when you find your mind scattering all over the place while you are praying or you are fellowshipping with the Lord generally, all right, is to set your mind on a scripture. I'm sharing with you a very practical way of doing this. Set your mind on the scripture as you pray in the spirit. Because when you pray in the spirit, it's your spirit that is praying. Your mind is not praying. So because your mind actually is doing nothing, that is the reason why what? It can begin to fly and run all over, all over the place. So in order for your mind not to run around while you are praying, all right, what do you do? Give your mind, set your mind on the scripture so that you will find your mind busy and your spirit is busy. Your spirit is busy praying in tongues. Your mind is busy fixated on scriptures. But sometimes some people are praying in tongues and their mind takes them back to the office, takes them back to school, or takes them back to the house. You know, their mind is somewhere on somewhere down the street, 
remembering something they are supposed to get from the store. Or their mind is back in school thinking about their assignment. Or their mind is back in the office thinking about something they are supposed to do the very next day. The reason why your mind finds the convenience to do that is because you are not engaging your mind. When you pray in tongues, your spirit is engaged. But your mind is not engaged. So what do you do? Engage your mind by setting your mind on the scripture while you pray in tongues. Sometimes you may even have to set your mind on a scripture all right, that focuses on what it is exactly you are praying about. Let's say, for example, you are praying for someone. You are interceding in prayer for someone. And while you are praying for the person, your mind is wandering here and there. What do you do? Set your mind on a scripture that, that emphasizes the importance and the efficacy of the prayer of intercession, such as James, James 5, verse 18. It is the prayer of a righteous man availed much. If you use the amplified, it said the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availed much. All right, making tremendous power available. So, what do you do? While you are praying for somebody, while you are interceding for someone, set your mind on a scripture such as that. Let your mind be pondering on the amount of power that is being generated as you pray. So, if you don't get your mind fixated, your mind will wander. Away, your mind will be all over the place. It will be all over the place. Let's say, for example, you are praying about a certain situation in your life. All right? You, you need God to speak to you. You need direction for a particular matter. And you say that matter in your heart and you begin to pray in the spirit. All right? And you begin to pray. Now, while you are praying in the spirit, just let your mind be there, all right? To help your mind participate in the process, what do you do? Set your mind on a part of scripture that emphasizes the certainty of God speaking to you when you ask questions, of God speaking back to you when you speak to him. For example, chapter 10 of John, John chapter 10, Jesus said, I know my sheep, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep know my voice. So you can, in your mind, be thinking about that. I am the sheep. I am the sheep of Jesus. He is my shepherd. Therefore, I know his voice. I hear his voice. I, you are thinking that in your mind while you are praying in the spirit. Your mind is thinking on the scripture that emphasizes the certainty that Jesus speaks back to you. Do you understand? Yes, sir. You see, but if you don't do that and you're praying in tongues, your mind, the enemy can filter into your mind and begin to use your mind to doubt the effectiveness of what you are doing. Or the enemy can filter, you know, filter into your mind and begin to use your mind to doubt whether or not God will speak to you on that matter. So that's why you see a lot of people, they pray and they get off from the place of prayer still having doubts about whether or not God will answer. Mm. Where is that doubt coming from? It is not coming from their spirit. Rather, it is coming from, from their mind. They didn't put a proper guard over their mind. So the enemy was able to come in through their mind and sow a seed of doubt and unbelief in their mind. 